I, I, I said to Lama, you know, I really would like to stay here and become a monk myself. And he was like, you know, you can do how as you wish. You'd have to stay in a monastery for women, of course. He said, but you want, you may want to think about something. The fact that, you know, you reincarnated in a place like Haiti for a reason. So before you make the decision to become a monk, you may want to ask yourself why you reincarnated there and the obligations or the decision that you made to be in that part of the world and what you may have to offer. But it doesn't matter, again, whatever decision you do decide to make, it's going to be fine. Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world, but since that didn't work out, my new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 180 to go. So, if you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all years. In today's episode, we're speaking with Claudine Oriel. Her parents are from Haiti, and her maternal grandmother had a profound influence on young Claudine during her formative years. Trained as an engineer, Claudine considers herself a student of life, a Jane of all trades, mastering them all. She speaks five languages, is a student of astrology, and has a fascinating perspective of the world. In this episode, Claudine talks about how her previous birth pulled her to Nepal, where she lived in a monastery for eight months, her role in telling the story of Haiti and its people, and what you say matters. This is her story. Hey, Claudine, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on to my podcast. I'm so excited for having you here. Lainey, thank you so much for having me. I can't even begin to say how happy I am to be here with you. It means a lot. Oh, no, you, I, you know what, when we first started talking, I was just so fascinated by the, the, the perspective you bring. And I was like, I need to have you on my show because I, I have never met anybody who looks at life in such a different way. And so I, I have to ask, because I know um, you said that you are, you're Haitian American, but you lived, uh, you, you were brought up for the, for the formative years that paid a huge impact where it was your maternal grandmother. So can you talk a little bit about that, you know, that part of life that kind of made who you are today? Oh my God, thank you so much for asking me that question. And whenever I get a chance to talk about my grandmother, it's always an amazing, uh, beautiful feeling inside. Um, so my parents actually uh, were uh, in the process of going through a separation and they weren't certain if that was 
going to translate into uh, parting ways and having a divorce. Haiti uh, tends to be very um, religious and for the most part Catholic. So they, my fathers uh, specifically wanted to spare my brother and I just um, seeing them both go through this. So as they, as a couple were deciding how to move forward, they um, sent both my brother and I to live with my, my maternal grandmother in uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti. So that happened between the age of uh, seven and 11. So I would say six going to be seven and 11 about to be 12. So, you know, give or take five or six years. And she was a very, very strong woman, uh, my maternal grandmother. Everyone was afraid of her. To a certain degree, she just didn't mince her words around and very unapologetic about who, who, who she was. And she saw, and she saw me the same way and treated me the very same way. So from the time I, you know, from being seven years old to about 12 years old, I was never made to feel that I was a child. Yes, I had more life experiences to gain, but my thoughts and uh, my my uh, my beliefs they were respected. I was I was um, encouraged to express myself, and she would you know come to me for counsel even, which was you know I'm going through this and that. What do you think we should do? And it was just. So it was, it's come to think of it now, it was not a natural thing, but I guess somehow I became her confidant, her best friend, her, you know, her, 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 her little mini me, if I may even use that. <laughs> so, so, so that actually, I think, contributed to me having such, such a strong personality, um, not being afraid, speaking up, and um, never thinking twice to um, ask for permission but still respecting the laws that someone is old because Haiti, you know, we do have a very, very traditional, we still have to respect our elders. There's still a way to, you know, that um, society uh, we must interact with one another. So I think that played a very strong part uh, in, in, in me again, having such a strong, you know, not strong, but very comfortable in my being. And um so for, for about five, six years, I, I experienced that where I was encouraged, whatever it is that I wanted to do, it was encouraged to explore that, mm-hmm. but exploring it, knowing that I will succeed, exploring it, knowing that you're at the very beginning stages, just give it time and just really put all your energy and you're going to be much further along mm-hmm. than when you began. So again, she, I don't know if she was a student enough to know that's what she was doing. My grandmother is very old fashioned and very conditioned to think in a very, you know, a very uh, linear type of way, but yet because she didn't have to answer to a man, I think uh, that she just, um, subconsciously, you know, transferred those things to me, which my mom didn't really very much have. Or her other daughter, my my aunt, just, I guess me, for you know, for whatever reason that is. And um, that's how that came about. And, and 
you know, I remember at some point just um, being very comfortable, just knowing that I'm this little being that's maybe 10 or 11 years old, but very confident and very comfortable in in my thought patterns and and the way I see life. And she also contributed to my grandmother was very religious. I grew up Catholic. So every morning she would wake up and attend five o'clock mass. And I loved her so much that I would wake up and ask to accompany her, you know, and then we'd be back at six and, you know, be ready to leave for school at 630 because school at that time was from seven a.m. to about 3 p.m. So, uh, you know, I guess even my my uh, curious nature, inquisitive mind into um, religion and, and philosophy and mysticism came from that, you know, came from just constantly being with her and not emulating her, but accompanying her in her journey, but still having my own concept of what those things mean. So um, she had a profound effect on how you looked at life and how you conducted yourself and how you decided what you were going to do. But not everybody around you thought the same way, right? So your if your father or you know, so how do you how did you deal with when the people around you don't agree or don't look at like don't look at the situation in the same way? So. I left and went to live with my dad. And my by that time, my parents had decided to go on with their divorce. And I went to live with my dad and um, and my stepmother. And it was weird because my father is, you know, now has this, you know, I guess preteen, which is not the best age ever to, to deal with a opinionated young woman. And my stepmother is still trying to, you know, be careful. So because she doesn't get labeled to be the evil mom. Mm-hmm type of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so at times they were like, no, you know, you're, you're, you're a kid. You have to stay in that kid lane and, you know, type of thing. And I've, I've just, it, it, by then you couldn't, it was Pandora's box was open. I was, I grew up being able to say what I feel and how I feel about things. And my father, to his credit, was also, um, because I've always been, ext- I've, I've always ex- excelled in school. So, um, for me, the idea of not being first in class or among the first three was just like, oh, my God, you know, the, you know, the world's going to end type of thing. And my father is very cerebral and, and a way for me to have his time and his attention was to do the same. So, you know, I'm 11, 12 years old and I'm reading the books that my dad was at the time going to, um, going to school um, as a mechanical engineer and a uh, you know, engineering, and I would say, oh, what do you, you know, and I'm trying to understand differential equations and linear algebra, whatever thesis he was working on, just to have that bond with him. So we did clash a lot, but at a very young age, because my father, the way his brain is wired, I learned to be able to make my point. If I was able to be, not be emotional, but just be very um, matter of fact with a linear mind, then it was like, okay. So my way to deal with him was not about, well, my grandmother was more about the instincts, was more about, you know, you're free to think what you want type of thing. Um, My dad was more like, how does this add up? 
because he has a, he's very, his mind is very mathematically inclined. Mm -hmm. So as long as two and two could equal four, my dad would be like, okay, type of thing. So you, you, so you basically figured out how to deal with different kinds of people to make sure that you got your point across. I never saw it that way. Thank you so much for saying that. I guess, yes, I guess I've always um, been somewhat of a chameleon where I can fit into any situation, any space, um, and be comfortable there. And I, and if I think about it further, I think it's because I am in love with people. I'm in love with life. I'm in love with, um, with, um, all types of beings. And I think because I also suffered at a very young age, you know, I was like, I, maybe, uh, five going on 50 type mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, you know, trying to learn how to navigate the waters of of dealing, you know, with adults and thinking in my own mind that I'm just an adult in a small little body. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason why even my friends, kids, they all relate to me very easily. I've never treated a child like a child. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I always treat them with the same respect, give them the same attention, the same focus and interact with them at their level of understanding, because I don't ever remember thinking of myself as a quote unquote, a person who didn't get it child, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and I think that, that may be true for a lot of people. If you think about when you're seven or eight or nine or 10, at that time, you're not thinking, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You have views, you have opinions, they're valid to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, 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 and so for me, it's, I've always uh, learned to go back to what you said, to, to really be able to be okay with everyone. Cause I just understand that everything that everyone does at whatever moment in time is the very best that they have to offer, even if it's not a good thing, because in the end, everyone just really is looking to be loved, is looking to be valued, is looking to be accepted. It's just that, you know, unfortunately, we have such a very funny way of going about it, you know, of right. uh, uh, of gaining that acceptance, that love, that sense of belonging. So um, you ended up going into engineering, right? Yes. And you so was that something you were doing to make your dad proud of you? Or is that just something that you thought that, you know, that's just something that you had to do because that was expected of you? Why did you decide to do? Because I I would think that you would probably, you would be capable of doing anything you wanted, you know, but yet you chose engineering. Why was that? So I'm going to say yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Um, You know, First of all, my family, I'm first generation. So when your parents are immigrants, especially Haitians, it's a running joke. And I think my friends that are like, um, I have friends that are Indian and, and, and Chinese. And it's almost like the same thing. You have to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, and then they'll settle for like nursing or maybe something like that. And I've always excelled in um, math and science. And I did definitely want to, um, to, to make my father proud to get his approval in some way. And so doing what was expected of me is why I studied electrical engineering, just because I was able to. And, um, 
So I would say, yes, it's, it's debt. So we, we don't even realize that, right. The programming, the pro the auto programming, this, um, uh, this need to, to be accepted. We don't even see how we do that. It's only in retrospect that I can say, oh, wow, I did that because I was still not free enough to do what I truly wanted to do or to even, you know, to, to even decide that I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do. It was just, oh, you're smart and you're going to, you know, this is what, what needs to be done. And I want this person's acceptance. I love my dad so much and I'm so grateful, you know, to have him in my life. So, so it was just, again, to keep, to not, to find a way not to break that bond. So definitely, you know, without a doubt, you know, without any doubt, yes, that was done for that. But did you uh, continue to be in engineering? Did you um, like have a career no, in that or I, you left? I never worked as an engineer. So once that was about, I was like, okay, what's next? And I've never, I'm never afraid to, uh, to just break down and build back up, which is like, you know, I think a lot of times society, cultures, us as people, we get crystallized. Mm-hmm you know, where, you know, it's almost like a puzzle, right? Which could also be, uh, um, which an analogy for life, right? When you go through all this, the pain and, 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 and the patience to put a puzzle together, right? And then once that beautiful tableau is done, the very idea of, of taking it apart and starting again, it almost feels sacrilegious. Right. Uh, but I've never, I've never been attached, which, you know, in my family is always been like, not the black sheep, but the person that's just, oh, okay, now she's doing this and now she's doing that. And I've always been, it's, it's always been very important to me when, when the pain um, becomes unbearable of where I'm at. And maintaining the status quo where, you know, wherever you go, there you are. When do you, when it be, when I, when I can no longer look at myself in the mirror and be like, yay, I love you. And I love what you're doing. And I'm happy. Not that I, you know, and it's just, okay, it's time to break. It's, it's time to break it apart. It's not working. Right. So it's always been that thing. And it's again, my grandmother always says, you know, when a load becomes too heavy to carry, don't break your neck, put it down. Mm. very sensible advice <laughs> you know some people may say yes and I think it is because um you know we have to realize that in life the loads that we carry are the ones we give ourselves very profound I didn't think about it like that but you're right you know right. And, and there's no one whipping you saying you got to carry this load you got to you know we we, we tell ourselves uh, ourselves stories and we're like okay you know what I'm gonna I have to do this I have to do that and there's nothing that we have, have to, to do. do right you know um I, the only thing that you have to do is you're gonna have to die right don't mean to be morbid <laughs> everything else in between is relative mm-hmm. the only have is the death. Mm. And even then, if we're going to go truly and, 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 and dive really deep 
and to the our nature, what we are, is just a physical death as it relates to this dimension. Because energy is neither created nor destroyed. Right. Right? Right. right so right. as pure energy, even that is again the puzzle being, you know, taken apart for a new, for something new to come out of it. Yeah. You know, I was really fascinated when you were telling me about uh, your trip to Nepal, because I think the very same, the um, the Bodha where you were in Nepal is the exact same place where I was too. So when you told me that you lived in Nepal and you stayed with the monks over there for eight months, I'm like, oh my God, how, how weird is it that you were the same place that I was? I mean, it's just, uh, this is amazing. So what prompted that journey? How did you land up there? What, what, what kind of set you to say, you know, say that you needed to do this? So I, uh, I was living, um, I had left the States and I went to live in Paris and um, I decided I no longer wanted to be in Paris anymore. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And after living there, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to leave Paris. I'm going to go back home. But I'm like, you know what? Why don't I go back home the long way? Instead of, you know, so I decided, and, and I had read this, one of the very first books that had a very profound meaning on me. It's a book that was written in, here in the States by an author, T. Baird Spaulding. And it's called The Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East. And I think it came in six volumes, but I had picked up that book where it was translated in French and it spoke about Nepal. Catman do about these beings that are able to do astral projections and all this stuff. I was like, oh, I have to do that. And I'm going to have to go meet one of those. So, you know, uh, uh, when you think about, I, I really thought if I went to Kathmandu in Nepal, I would, I would meet or run into one of these, you know, enlightened beings, you know, as if they're going walking around, you know, Nepal. But anyway, so I did that. And, um, and I and it, it was meant to not be a very long trip. It was not meant to be, um, you know, for eight months for sure. Uh, and 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 um, I was in Kathmandu, and I went, you know, where the stupa is, and started turning the prayer wheel, you know. And I met a monk, and I I I try to have a conversation with him as I'm prone to do whenever I see people. I mean, I'll have a conversation with a cockroach that enters an elevator. <laughs> We're talking. <laughs> Somehow, even if it's just a smile and say good morning, I have to have some form of um, verbal interaction with people. But he 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 didn't understand. Um, I speak French, Haitian Creole, Spanish, Italian, and English, and and I was like trying all these different languages, and he didn't. So he he took my hand and like you know tried to tell me to you know follow him, and so I did. Um, and then we went by this. Um, a nearby a temple that's nearby. I don't know if like once you go down the stupa, there's this temple that's it's it's close by. So we went there, and then I, you know, there was this young lady that uh, how she's was Tibetan, but she lived in Dharamsala, so she spoke English, and I basically said, oh, I would like for him to treat to teach me Dharma, and I didn't realize the gravity of what I was asking. Right, I just said, oh, you know, and they took it very seriously. Um, because they don't allow uh, women or non-Tibetans to live in temples with monks 
but they meditated on it and they were like oming and you know the good rules all that stuff and then you know a couple of hours came back afterwards like okay you can go live with him. he's you know he's accepted to be a teacher that's why i call him lama which in um, nepali means teacher teacher right and um yeah and and um i and i went to live in a monastery and that that young lady because i didn't speak i asked i'm like well can she come too because because <laughs> i'm gonna need someone to to do you know some sort of translation because i i have no idea what what to say or what could be said and you know what is the point of being there if i can't ask questions as i'm prone to and that's how that that came about and when i so did I, she come with you she did she did her name was helen and again another helen and um we uh you know and after a while i'm like okay i'm like i'm, I'm not leaving i'm staying here you know and i and i do recall him saying to me you know in life you're free to do whatever every you know there's no wrong or right right he goes there's no wrong or right in life but you reincarnated because so oh i forgot to say the reason why i was allowed to live with the monks is because they said that in a past life i was a monk who belonged to that order to that monastery and that i had found my way back wow so that was their ties i was like and that didn't and that didn't phase you at all because you were like yeah i'm sure because it just was something that you just accepted right it it, it did i don't know why it's it, you know and it, it's it, 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 it if we go even back further like i told you i was i lived in haiti from about seven years old i remember i remember this very vividly and i can i was i must have been about seven years old and i was lying down um on like this rooftop gallery in my grandmother's house and it was and back then is like, and it's even now when you go to Haiti, the stars are like, they look like a blanket. It looks so fake. It just, you could really see the stars in the sky. And I remember lying on my back, looking up in the sky and um, saying to myself, oh, wow, this is where I come from. I come from up there. And mm. just being very matter of fact about it, you know, I come from there type of thing. And so for me to... um when they said this to me, I just said, okay, it makes sense. You know, I mean, I'm like, I don't believe in accidents mm -hmm. and um, everything are just, you know, uh, coincidences, moments in time. And I do believe in this idea of multiverses where, you know, and, and that's where the free will comes in, right? Because you are the architect, you are, you are, the designer of your life where every decision takes you into an alternate reality. Wow. I love that. Every the, decision takes you into an alternate reality. Yes. And, you know, and, and, and I believe in that. So when they said that to me, I was like, okay, great. I just thought, okay, I used to be a monk. I'm okay. I came back home. Sounds cool. And uh, <laughs> so I, I, I did that. And um, so after eight months, I, and I, I said to Lama, you know, I really would like to stay here and become a monk myself. And he was like, you know, you can do how as you wish. You'd have to stay in a monastery for women, of course. He said, but you, want, you may want to think about something. The fact that 
you know, you reincarnated in a place like Haiti for a reason. So before you make the decision to become a monk, you may want to ask yourself why you reincarnated there and the obligations or the decision that you made to be in that part of the world and what you may have to offer. But it doesn't matter, again, whatever decision you do decide to make, it's going to be fine. So, and, and you know, I really thought about that. I, I took it very seriously. Um, everything that Lama would say, I took very seriously. Um, and, and I decided, I'm like, you know, Lama, you're absolutely right. I do want to be, I would love to to pursue um, my studies and, 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 and become a monk. But if I'm being quite honest, I think it's a form of me escaping. Mm. So, because I did decide to go home the long way, you know, stopping in India, stopping mm. in, in Nepal, stopping in Japan and Thailand. And, you know, even after I left Nepal, my next stop was Thailand. And um, I was like, okay, I do believe in that. And so, and, and, I, and um, I think a week or so later, I left. So did you figure out why you were born in Haiti? I think the, I think, I don't know yet. I, 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 I honestly do not know that question yet. I just think there, my soul had a lot of, um, a lot of lessons to learn, a lot to give. The parents I chose were the most, and I believe we choose our parents. Yep. That's true. I, I'm a firm believer in that. And I think even if you look at the Ten Commandments, when it says, honor thy parents, I think it's because these, you know, those entities have accepted to, to, to link themselves with you, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm -hmm. to give you an opportunity to grow and evolve from the pain that they may subconsciously impart on you. Mm -hmm. And that also will wake you up as well. So I believe that I have a lot of karma. I believe that it was the place that was best des designed for all the lessons and all the growth that I would have to um, that I need that that I need at this point of my evolution in, into consciousness. Mm, okay. So, um, so after all that happened and you've kind of, did that, when you came back after your long way home, did that change how you looked at life after that trip and staying with the monks or it just kind of confirmed that something that you already knew? I think any kind of journey you take, whether it's an inward journey whether it's a, a, a trip to the grocery store, whether you, you know, you go to Egypt or you decide that you're going to go, you know, to the next state. I think any journey, any time that we move, something inside of us moves as well, if we're willing to look for it. You know, to, to those who have eyes, let them see. And to those who don't, don't, you know, they not. So I, I honestly believe that we have the limits that we have is are really based upon the perceptions we have of ourselves. So, and there's always an inner struggle for most of us, right? But the majority of us, we just, 
you know, push it away. It's just so much safer to be small. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so much safer not to change and suffer in silence. You know, um, especially women, we, I, I believe women so many times we, you know, what I call cries of desperation, inward cries of desperation, where we have, you know, sometimes you have women that are like in unhappy and unfulfilling relationships, but they cannot leave. Mm-hmm. And you would say, well, why? And it's not because they don't love their mate, their partner. Um, it's sometimes they have an, on paper, the partner's perfect. They have everything that it looks like as they should, but they're willing to sacrifice themselves, right? In order to not change. And I always tell people, I reserve the right to change my mind at any minute. So if I believe this right now, and two minutes later, you put forth um, a fact that challenges my belief system. But if it resonates with me, I'm going to say, Melina, you're right. And I'm definitely going to, to then adopt that new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think we, 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 we change. If we look for change and if we see ourselves as beings that are meant to change, we're not meant to stay the same, mm-hmm. not even our physicality, our voices, everything changes around us. Even, you know, time and, you know, uh, the seasons, we'll have summer, we have um, winter, spring. So everything that you do, you're cooking a meal. And if you're looking for a moment of change in there and you give yourself permission, you're, definitely that changed me a lot. And and my, my whole life continues to change me. The things that that are painful change me. The things that are joyful change me. So yes, yes, for sure. So now you are um, actually looking at starting a podcast called Conversations with Claudine. So how did that come about? And what is the premise of that um, podcast going to be? So um, I like to say I'm a mass, I'm a jack of, I'm a Jane of several trades and um, mastering them all. Uh, so I, uh, I moved to Los Angeles, California, and I decided to go into the entertainment industry, into acting to be um, a little bit more specific. And uh, I had gone to Haiti and I, um, I left Haiti literally one hour before the earthquake. And um, yeah, that was, that was an intense moment too. And I decided, wow, I didn't like the way Haitians were being portrayed. I didn't like uh, the way the story was being told. And I'm like, well, why should I wait for somebody else to tell? you know, to tell the story of Haiti and its people and its culture, its history. So I decided to, you know, direct and produce and write a documentary about that experience. Uh, sure, but I've, in, in between those pockets of doing different things in life, of wearing different hats, right? I've, um, I'm a student of life. I believe that the whole purpose, the whole why we're here is definitely to become um, better versions of ourselves without knocking ourselves out. We, we, we've been, especially women, we've been, women, we've been conditioned for so long um, to, to, 
if you look at the trajectory of women, I was watching this old cartoon, The Flintstones. And I just happened like two days ago to catch an episode. I was like, oh my God, The Flintstones, let me see this. And it was, Wilma was preparing Fred's, you know, eggs and, and his um, coffee and his orange juice and whatever. Night. And she was like, oh, you know, Bruno, we have to be careful. Fred is very grumpy unless he's had his, he's had his coffee. And I don't know why I, that, that, that's, I was like, oh, wow, kids, little girls at a very young age were being programmed. You know, she was already all perfectly made up, Wilma, and she's made this gigantic breakfast and Fred strolls in and, you know, he's grumpy because his breakfast, he hasn't had his coffee yet and whatever. And, 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 and if we look at all the steps that women have had to make, where it's like, okay, you're going to be like, you know, take care of the house, make sure you cook, you clean, you make dinner, you do all of that. And then it became, you know, okay, you're going to do all of that, but you're going to go have a career. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, you're going to do, you know, do all of that. You're going to have a career, but at the same time, you got to make sure that you're okay. Mm-hmm. And so it just, you know, it just kept, you know, being piled on. And I've always been this person that, uh, I always put myself, and I think acting did that for me, where you get to walk in someone's shoes. So when you walk in someone's shoes, you can't, it's very, you can't, you can't really judge them. Like if I, you know, you're a good actor is going to play a rapist mm-hmm. and you're going to hate that character. Mm-hmm. But the first rule of acting, you don't say, oh, I'm an evil rapist and you mm-hmm. twisting your mustache. No, mm-hmm. this, you know, you have your own reason why, whatever it is that you're doing that. to to that person Mm -hmm. this is they deserve this they're going to do this this is what happened to me and Mm -hmm. whatever that internal dialogue is so uh, I've always had this ability to say hey you know Karina I'm having this this type of issue I've always had this ability to step outside and also almost from the outside looking in and to 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 be objective and to, to to say something to someone not from a point of letting them like attacking them so that they feel that they're a victim because I don't believe that we are victims because if you're a victim of someone or a victim of something you then need to wait for whoever has done that particular thing to you to come and fix it right but if you say somehow I consciously or subconsciously put myself in a situation and how do I get out of it even the most difficult uh, situations become empowering. Yes. So it's uh, the, the podcast Convos of Claudine is um, people, I, you know, I, I would post, I'm, I'm always posting motivational stuff on my um, Instagram stories. I, I have a way with myself and with others to, to, to make, to look at life from a different a different perspective where what if we start looking at life what is this trying to teach me and if you look at it that way if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change yes. and so that's what that's about so convos of claudine is a is a podcast it's going to be a, um, a narrative as well as interview style with just diving into life and 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 truly um, looking 
at all aspects of life from a, a point of how can this serve me? As I'd mentioned to you early uh, before this, you know, um, in our past conversation, you know, we, right now we're all talking about well-being, well-being, emotional well-being, physical well-being, and financial well-being. Well, all that, if we really, really look at it, is for the pursuit of happiness. Yes. And that's what is being done. So why do we want to pursue our happiness with the same mindset that has made us more or less not so happy? Mm. So we've had a lot of tools, uh, especially with this new age of Aquarius. Let's take all the tools that we have. And just because, you know, you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So we have astrology. Let's, let's, let's have that in our toolbox. Meditation, let's have that in our toolbox. Breathing exercises, let's have that in our toolbox. Affirmation, you know, all types of yoga. Let's start approaching the, the complexity of who we are as spiritual beings, as pure consciousness from that perspective. As opposed to, nope, you're going to work nine to five and you're, you're going to save this much and you're going to do what you're unhappy with. So it's really um, approaching life, life hacks, becoming better versions of who you are, of who you, not who people say you should be, but really the character that you're creating and approach and, and using different modalities to achieve that state mm-hmm. of, 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 of joy, of well-being. So in that pursuit of happiness. That's awesome. I love, I love the topic and I love the way you had explained it. That's why I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. So I'm really looking forward to your podcast. So the very best of luck to you. So what's, what's next for Claudine? What are you working on right now? Is a big project coming up? Uh, so what's next for me right now is really, I admire you so much in the <gasps> sense of how you, uh, You've just said, okay, Claudia, you know what? We're going to do this and I'm going to end. We know we're going to have this uh, interview session, this podcast and how you've decided for yourself to give a voice to the voiceless, um, especially women. And if we think about being in the age of Aquarius, the the throat chakra, you know, the fifth chakra, the heart is opening. And so let's not voice our, our pains, our sufferings, the things that make us happy, the joys. So for me, what's next is definitely... Um, having this, these, these um, dialogues, these conversations about what does it mean to be, uh, con- to be conscious and awake in this time of our planet's um, history of, of um, it's, it's, it, it, these are exciting times, right? So many different tools. So that's definitely one of the things that I'm, I'm looking forward to. I'm excited about just um, having these conversations and, um, and um, interacting with different people on that level. And that for me is going to work towards having a book, uh, just a little book of life where, you know, when, when just little anecdotes, sometimes we need reminders, right? Right. You know, or maybe the title can be like, you know, happiness reminders and just little tools, little things that again, uh, we are probably the most complex um entities on this planet but yet we don't come with a handbook with a manual we have to figure it out as we go along yeah we're figuring out together 
as a collective, I'm excited about that. So right now, that's what's next. Really um, uh, targeting this, this um, my first, you know, doing my first episode and growing that and, 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 and evolving my, you know, as I'm going on this journey, I'm just inviting people to come along with me and, and, and listen to me speak out loud. What's, you know, all these internal dialogues that occur. And, um, and then, you know, if I could just bring a smile to someone's face or just make someone's heart, you know, sing and dance. I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's really what I want. My dream job, I've always said, is if I could be anything else, I would love to be a fairy godmother. And if I could just take my wand and just, boom, magically just make everyone just fall in love with themselves and be happy and feel good about where they are in life and who they are. And just knowing that we just all have to understand that, you know, we just keep moving. We just keep moving and everyone smiles, everyone dances, everyone makes it seems like, you know, especially now with social media, everything is so perfectly curated that many of us are left like, oh my God, everyone's living their best lives, but me. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that is so not what I believe the truth is. I believe that people are making it look like that's what it is. But in truth, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on inside. Yeah. So as I'm learning how to remove my shackles to accept all versions of my being and sharing those anecdotes with people, that's that. And, you know, maybe writing a book sometime at the end of the year and, you know, just uh, really allowing my creative side to, to flourish. That's really exciting. Um, and I'm really excited for you and all your projects. You're a student of astrology. I mean, you are very passionate about it and you, uh, some of the stuff that you said I could resonate with. So knowing what you know about astrology and knowing, uh, you know, you said like the age of Aquarius right now, what do you see happening or what do you predict happening in the next, you know, this, this coming year? So many changes, right? Uh, with the vaccine now and things are starting to open. It's like the world is starting to open up again. So what do you, what do you see? Oh, wise one. <laughs> I would like to say thank you for that question. Well, I don't know if I'm going to say thank you for that question because that's like, so I'm not a, a professional astrologer, but as you, as, as are you, I do uh, follow astrology a lot. I think a lot of, um, a lot of tools that were conducive to our well-being somehow Western, so, uh, Western society uh, kind of like make them like, uh, you know, okie pokey things, which they're not, they're again tools. So a lot of the astrologers that I listen to, that I follow, and from what I've done, 2020 was really, everyone was really waiting to see how those um, planetary alignments were going to play out in the physical world. And it, it, it delivered pretty much the way it was supposed to, how we, on December 21st, it was, we know, we went, um, how would I say this, officially entered the age of Aquarius, right, on December, when we, when we had that great alignment back then, and 2020, if we think about it, 2020 vision, as challenging and as difficult as it was, when it was really that year that, and that said, you know, we're going to, 
take a pause. We're all going to take a pause. And we had, at that time, I think Uranus was into Aquarius very briefly. Like, how is that going to play out? Well, you know, it was an airborne disease where we were grounded pretty much, um, you know, and everyone had to really go within, take that time out where it's not like, it's not going to be a luxury. We're going to make sure everyone just goes within and, 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 and take um, accounting of, of, of what, of all the energies that you spent, where they right, where they done rightfully. So where you are right now, and then how you move forward. So that played out pretty much more or less. And as we are, you know, we think about the lunar nodes, you know, we are now the South node is in Sagittarius and we have the North node in Gemini, where um, Sagittarius represents everything that is um, everything that we're anchored in as far as tradition and, 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 you know, uh, the, you know, religion and, 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 um, the government and everything that we know that that we abide by where we're headed more into this expansiveness this idea of like of 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 not being just technocrats and solely focus on one thing and gemini is ruled by mercury so everything is very cerebral we have all these planets in in, um, aquarius again air and it moves extremely fast and gemini again is not about just knowing one thing it's about you know what you do podcasting, but at the same time, you can be a painter. At the same time, you're going to go do real estate. And at the same time, we have to start wearing those different hats. And so for me, I think for a lot of us, if we really utilize 2020 properly, I believe for a lot of us, it's going to be much easier to, to go through 2021. I'm not certain if I believe 2021 is going to be a smooth ride as everyone expects it to be. I think that 2020 was a great teacher, was that parent that basically said, no, you're going to go to bed at eight because you have to be up at six. You're going to do your homework. You're going to eat your broccoli, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you would say, oh, I don't want to do this. I think in retrospect, that's what it was teaching us. Listen, do you really need to this? Do you really need to carry this load? Mm. How is it serving you moving forward? And have we learned to really open the luggage of our life, of our lives, sorry, to open the luggage of our lives and be like, I, I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't need this. And really lining light, you know, making your load a little lighter. So that way your journey can be much more enjoyable. I, uh, I see right now that I think where we are in this world where people are meeting over, over uh, zoom, over the airwaves, that again is part of the age of Aquarius, you know, which is ruled by Uranus and Uranus rules everything that is, um, that is, you know, that has to do with the airways and technology. And um, I believe also we're going to see this, this, um, the, the clash, right? The clash of what we used to know and where we're headed, for instance, even, you know, we see people very much getting into cryptocurrency nowadays. And I think it's only normal as we're meeting more and more in the airwaves, buying things on the internet, you know, on the internet and, and meeting, making friends, having meetings that the internet in it, in and of itself is going to have its own currency. Yeah. I think our banking system, as we know, it is going to go through a, uh, 
through some changes as we, and as a collective, I think it's time where again, Aquarius and Uranus is a deals with, with um, the utopia. It can talk about dystopia, but it deals with utopia where everyone's awakened somehow and it deals with the truths and the programming that was done and how people are literally now being awakened and they're seeing for the first time and people are going to rise up and say, no, we no longer wish to abide by these laws that we, we don't know when we signed up for them. Basically almost like sheeps we're told, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't. And I think people are questioning. I think we're going to question. And I think as a collective, we're going to come together and we are truly going to start creating a new earth. But like everything else, when, you know, if you had your house and everything looks great, you're like, I'm going to do spring cleaning, right? In the middle of it, you're like, what did I do? Why did I start this? I have a bigger mess than when I started with. <laughs> but because you're in the middle of this mess now, you can't just leave it. You're like, oh, I have to finish with this spring cleaning. But and, you, and you're gonna start getting rid of, you know, rid of things. But at the end, when you're finally done, you're like, you feel lighter. You don't know why. You feel lighter, you feel better, and you're ready to for new things to come on. So I I, I think 2021 is is going to be is going to be a year that is going to be full of surprises. I think it's a year that's going to test us um, to get on the planet as a collective. I think it's a, definitely a year for um, a lot of change and uh, all over the globe, all over the planet, people are waking up, they're speaking up and they're doing away with things that no longer uh, seem to make sense anymore. Oh, thank you. I think you are a very good student of astrology because you explained that really well. And I can all, we can almost see it when you were talking about, you know, the changes because people are speaking up, whether it's Black Lives Matter or, you know, against hate crimes across the um, across the country or just, you know, whether it's women's equality or it is, you know, standing up and, you know, speaking your truth, whatever it may be. So I think this is definitely the year of transformation and change. So, and uh, thank you. Thank you for taking the time for being on the show. I am so excited for you and I wish you the very best of luck. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for, um, for you um, giving me this beautiful slice of time, which to me is the greatest gift anyone could ever give because time is the only commodity that once given can never be taken back. It is outside of breathing. It is the most precious of all things that we can actually say we have, right? So again, for for giving me the time for um, sharing your platform with me and um, for um, this beautiful dialogue and conversation. And I'm looking forward to many more. And uh, once Convos with Claudine gets started, looking to have you on as well. Awesome. No, you absolutely are. Every single person who comes on the show is a warrior woman. And that's why I have you on there because all of you have something special to share with the world. And I am so glad that I got you to be on the show. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And just one more word, if for anyone listening, uh, it's very important that you know that you matter, what you say matters. 
your voice matters, your thoughts matter, your thoughts matter. And um, it is a beautiful thing to be incarnated in this lifetime as a woman. The divine feminine has been mutilated, sacrificed, um, crucified for so long. And all religions, if we look at them, the leader is always a, a, a the divine male, whether it's you know Catholicism, we have the Pope and bishops and even Buddhism, you know, the head of Buddhism, for, you know, we have the Dalai Lama. And in the Bible, you know, we have Eve who has been designed to be a temptress and, you know, Mary, the virgin. So now is the, you know, Mary Magdalene, you know, she was a prostitute. So now is the time in the 21st century when the feminine, and the feminine doesn't mean being born a woman. It just means your heart centers open. It just means that you're more willing to love and accept love, to be more empathetic, to be more compassionate. So it is time for the divine feminine that resides in each and every single one, and especially us women, to wake up and to be the warriors and the lovers and the caretakers that we came here to be. Awesome. Thank you so much, Claudine. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.